Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Need to Lead podcast, where we explore everything leadership related in order to help you get the best out of yourself and out of those around you. And on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to push on from an episode that we covered a couple of weeks ago, which was called High Performance Habits. And if you listen to that episode, if you didn't, by the way, I'd recommend go back and listen to that one first before coming on to this one. But if you did listen to that one, on that episode, we went through a lot of the fundamental habits that you'll want to bring into play and bring into your life if you want to perform at a high level consistently. So we spoke about in your morning time, what are some of the things you should stop doing in the mornings? What are some of the things you could start doing in the mornings? In your daytime then, in your actual work day, what are some of the habits you can bring into play to help yourself perform at a higher level more consistently? And then in your evening time, how to use that most effectively to set yourself up for success and help give you a head start on everyone else, on the rest of the competition and on yourself in terms of not sabotaging your own efforts or putting yourself on the back foot so that you can perform at a, a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 out of 10 consistently rather than maybe performing at a 9 or a 10 out of 10 every now and again and maybe then performing at a 4 or 5 out of 10 the rest of the time. Because when it comes to leading yourself and then ultimately leading other people, consistency is key. And particularly when it comes to leading other people, because I'm sure we've all had examples of having leaders in our lives who were very inconsistent, very unpredictable, and you didn't really know what you were going to get from them one day to the next or how they would show up if they were so reactive and emotional, if they got caught up in little situations and it would make you kind of scared to even bring worries or concerns or issues to them because you just didn't know how they'd react or respond. So consistency is key, particularly leading others, but especially as well leading yourself. If you're going to achieve stuff, if you're going to get ahead and stay ahead, you need to be able to show up and perform at a high level. And that's what being a high performer is. And that's what those habits will help you start being on the path towards, or if you're already on that path, to help propel you forward and move you in the right direction. And I think it's such an important thing to look at. But I also think that when we're looking at improving and making ourselves a better version of ourselves, the natural tendency is we start looking outside of ourselves to see what are the things I can bring into my life. And we view it as a process of addition. So what are the things I need to add? What are the habits I need to add to my morning, add to my daytime and add to my evening to help me perform at a higher level? And there's a lot of value in that. And there is a lot of truth in the fact that there is a lot of stuff we could start doing that would help. But the flip side of it is also true where there's a lot of stuff we could stop doing that would equally help us improve our performance or improve our ability to perform more consistently. And I heard a great quote. I can't remember who it was that said it, but I read it in a book. And it was, if you look at someone who's carving a sculpture, a masterpiece out of marble, think of the Statue of David or something like that. The way that you, you carve that masterpiece is through a process of subtraction. So you don't add more marble or clay or stone onto the masterpiece to make it better. You chip away at all the unnecessary pieces. You chip away at all the bits that don't need to be there. And through that process of elimination, you get your masterpiece. And if you take that frame and apply it to your own life, maybe it's not just about what's all the shit I need to start doing? What's all the stuff I need to add in? And maybe it's more about what's the stuff I need to stop doing? What are the things I need to let go of to hold myself back from doing, from stop giving into temptation with, so that I can hold myself to a higher standard and perform at a higher level on a more consistent basis and move myself forward. And I love quotes. I love 
listening to quotes from people who've achieved a lot of, you know, really successful things in life. And sometimes the quotes can get very far-fetched and very, you know, woo-woo. And some of the quotes are so simple. And I heard one the other day on a podcast that I want to share because it's probably the most simplistic quote, but it's one that just carries so much power and every single person can relate to it in their own way. And it's one that if you take on and embody, you'll achieve a lot in life without having to add anything in. And it was John Bernthal was on the Joe Rogan experience and he was talking about becoming a father and the advice that he was given from people and how that changed his life having a son. And Joe asked him, you know, what was the best advice that he got or what was a piece of advice that he got that really helped him? And John said he got lots of great advice from lots of people. But the one that impacted him the most at the time was he had a friend who was, I think, an ex-heroin addict. He'd gone through a lot of shit. He transformed his life, throwing things around. There was a bit of a kind of mentor and advisor for John in a personal level, not on a professional level. Someone that John would look up to and, you know, ask for help or advice from. And John said he asked him for some advice on becoming a father. And the fella just said to him, you know, all this shit in life that you're doing, that you know you shouldn't be doing, stop doing that. And that was it. And John said, just hearing that, so simple, but so powerful, was a big indicator for him of, you know what, maybe I don't need to start looking for, you know, reading the next parenting book or, or taking a course on how to be a great father or any of this stuff. Maybe I just need to look myself in the mirror, see what's the shit I'm doing on a day-to-day basis that I know I shouldn't be doing, that I don't want my kids to see me doing that. I don't want my kids to know I do, that I don't even really want to do myself, that I know is holding me back. That's getting in the way of me showing up in the way that I want. And let me just start there and stop doing that shit. And then I can worry about adding in all this new stuff and you know doing all the courses or reading all the books or whatever else. But let me clear the foundation for us and start from a solid ground. And I think that's a great frame to look at this stuff through. And on today's episode of podcast, that's what we're going to do. Is we're going to look at what are the high performance blockers? What are the things that you may be doing that are holding you back from being able to perform at a higher level? That if you simply just stopped doing these things, you'd automatically be able to function faster, for longer, better, to a higher level. Without adding anything new, without going to try to start new habits or anything like that. And there's going to be six that I'll run through. Now, all six may not apply to you. That's cool. One or two, I'm sure, will hit home. And whichever ones resonate the most are the ones I want you just to double down on and focus on for the next month. Give yourself a month. Say for the next month, I'm going to commit to this one thing, two things max. And these are the things I'm going to focus on to make sure I'm giving myself the best opportunity possible to hit those high levels of performance I need to achieve my goals in 2023, to improve in this area or that area, whatever else it is. And I want to run through them and I'll, I'll try to give stories as much as I can around this, where's possible personal stories, other ones maybe not so personal, but from clients that I might have worked with or from stories of clients that I've, I've heard of working with, in order to help you put this into context and then go and plug it into play in your own life. And the fourth one we're going to kick off with is one that I'm sure everyone can be so familiar with. And it's probably, particularly when it comes to the clients I work with around business and that sort of thing, starting their own business or improving in business or career, even in the same bracket there, changing jobs, changing careers, etc. This is probably the biggest one that holds people back. And I'm sure you can relate to it in some way. And the first high performance blocker is waiting until you feel ready before you take action. So waiting until you feel 100% good to go, crystal clear, you've got everything you need before you take action. It's one of those things that makes complete rational sense 
on the level of trying to be a rational human and think, well, yeah, if I'm going to make the most progress, I should have everything in place. I give think of it from a fitness goal, for example. Yeah, look, I'll wait till I have a gym membership. I'll wait till I have my gym plan fully laid out. I'll wait till I go shopping and get all my good food in for the week. And I'll wait till all the shit from Christmas is gone and I've eaten all the chocolate. I'll wait until work dies down a little bit. I have a little bit more time to commit so I can kind of plan sessions in advance a little bit more. Maybe I'll wait till the kids get a little bit older so I can sleep through a full night and I can you know, recover properly from my sessions so I can actually get the most from it. And on and on and on. And you can see on a rational level, all of these things make sense. And you could justify your decision to not take action now because you're not 100% perfectly clear and good to go on that front. But the trouble is, if you wait until that moment, firstly, chances are that's never going to come because as one problem gets solved, another problem happens. But on the flip side of that, by the time this time, if it ever does come, actually does come around, where will you be? Five, 10, 15 years down the line, maybe let's say you're overweight at a starting point, maybe one, two, three, four, five stone heavier, a hell of a lot more health issues, you know, even more embedded in the habits and negative lifestyle activities that are holding you back and pushing you forward or down the wrong path. So whilst it's rational to justify to yourself all the reasons you should wait until you have everything you need to start, in practice, it doesn't work. And there's a great story from, I think it was an old American war general hero person. But anyways, he used to have this rule that whenever they were planning an attack, planning a war, planning a takeover or a siege, he'd go at 80%. And that was his whole philosophy, was go at 80%. Because if you go at 60%, or for example, you wait until you've got 60% of all the information you feel you need to make the right decision, it will be too soon. You'll go in too quickly. There'll be a lot of unknown unknowns, and you're just running into a potential death trap. But if you wait until 100%, you wait until you've got absolutely everything, all the information, all the insights onto the enemy, you know, the whole map, the layout of the land, all of those things. If you wait until you've got 100% of all the information you'd like to have before you go, it's too late. It's too late. You're on the back foot. The enemy, enemy have the upper hand and you're fighting a losing battle. So his mantra was go at 80%. Once you've got 80% of what you feel you need to be successful, that's the time to go. And most people don't do that. Most people wait until they've got 100% or as close to that as possible. And by the time they, they've got it, which very rarely ever even happens, but if it does happen where they've got it, it's too late. It's far too late. The moment's gone. The opportunity's changed. The landscape has shifted. So don't wait until you feel ready to make a change. Because the rally is, you never will. Not unless you hit complete rock bottom and it's your only other option. Which, unfortunately for some people, is the case. Some people have to wait until they get a terrible health diagnosis or the crushing you know, marriage ending or whatever else big moment, business shuts down and goes bankrupt, that big rock bottom, before they actually decide, you know what, this needs to change, I need to do this thing. And for some people, that's the case. But don't be one of those. Don't wait until things are, as they say, shit hits the fan until you make the change. Don't wait until you feel ready and like, yeah, now I've got everything I need to be successful. Because you won't hit that moment. You won't know what you need to be successful until you've gone, jumped in the deep end and said, okay, you know what? Now I need life. Or, now, now I need a life jacket. Or now I need armbands. Or now I need a snorkeler or whatever else it is. But until you're in there in the moment, you don't know what you need. 
And it's easy for our minds to justify it to ourselves, to keep putting it on the long finger and say, you know what, I'll wait till this happens or I'll wait till then or I'll wait till next month or I'll wait till the summer or I'll wait till Christmas or whatever else it may be. But the longer we do that and the longer we take, number one, the further away from success we move. But number two, we're just setting ourselves up for an even harder journey uphill in the future whenever we do decide to take action and make it work. So change that frame for yourself from waiting until you feel ready and feel like you've got everything you need into doing what you can with what you have where you are right now. Do what you can, use what you have and start where you are. Make that your manager, make that what you do. Get as much information as you can. Get about 80% of the way there as the old American general would have said. And once you're at 80%, go. Don't overthink it. Don't hold yourself hostage thinking you need more information. Don't lie to yourself and procrastinate and keep putting it away into the future. Go and take action now. It will be uncomfortable, 100%. You won't feel ready. You'll feel like, oh, what if this happens? Or what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And that's fine. That's normal. That's part of being a human. We have a human brain that evolved over years and years of evolution where we had to be hypersensitive to any single thing in our environment that could kill us. And there was a shitload of them. There was animals, there was foods that were poisonous, there were plants that could kill us, there was all sorts of crap, you know, thunderstorms, rain, all this shit could have killed us. So it's normal that nowadays in today's world, where we're not quite surrounded by the same level of vulnerability to death, but we're still open to the same emotional level of hurt and pain from opinions of others, from failure, from getting stuff wrong, that we're averse to going and taking action until we feel completely comfortable with it. But as I said, you'll never get to that point. You'll never reach the stage of feeling like, yeah, now I'm 100% good to go. I'm happy. Let's get started. You need to get comfortable being uncomfortable and take an action, even though you don't know all the answers, you don't know how it's going to play out and you don't know what the result's going to be. So instead of tying yourself worth to the outcome, tie it to yourself and your own ability to face difficulties, to face challenges and get to the other side. And if you reflect on your own life, no matter who you are or what you feel you have or haven't achieved in life, I would put a lot of money on it that you can at least look back to one situation, at least one, realistically, probably a lot more than that. But one situation where you face some difficulty, face a challenge, face an obstacle and got through it, found a way to make it to the other side. No matter how big it felt at the time or how scary or how powerless you felt to change it, you found some way to get through it, to grip your teeth and get out the other side. And if you can do that once, you can do it again. And if you know you've got that in your locker, you've got that in your back pocket, that ability just to grind and get things done and make it through no matter how bad the situation gets, then use that as the place to leverage your self-worth and your self-efficacy and your respect to go and take action on things, even though you're not 100% comfortable with it right now or you don't feel completely ready to go. So that's the first high performance blocker is waiting until you feel ready. Because the longer you wait to get ready, the more opportunity, chance, time you're giving everyone else to get ahead of you. And they'll start overtaking you and they'll start overlapping you. And by the time you actually start taking action, you're already a million miles away from where you should be. So don't wait, take action. Now, the second high performance blocker, which is going to sound like an absolute contradiction to the last one. So let me explain it before you start saying, oh, Adam, you're contradicting yourself there, is don't be too quick to take action without thinking through the consequences of it. So don't be too quick to just jump straight in. When I'm saying to 
not wait until you feel ready to take action. The flip side of that is not just go and be a headless chicken and jump in and do everything possible. Right? You need to be strategic in what you do. And you absolutely need to think through the long-term consequences of the actions that you're taking. So it's not about putting things on the long finger and waiting until you have everything you feel you need to be successful. But it's also not about being too active, you know, being too quick to jump in and do things. And I'll give a quick little story about where this has played out. It's a very interesting one. It's called, referred to now at least, as the Cobra Effect. And basically what happened back in the old days when the English monarchy ruled a lot of Asia, one of the places they ruled was India. And they noticed in Delhi, there was a big population of cobras, so snakes that were just going around. And obviously, all the English people who were moving over there wouldn't have been familiar with cobras and snakes because they didn't exist in that part of the world. And now they've gone to India and there's snakes everywhere. You know, you go to go for a walk and there's snakes all around the place. And safe to say, they just weren't big fans of that. And they were scared of the snakes. They were scared that the snake population was going to start to grow, etc. So... What they did was imp implemented this rule in Delhi to all the Delhi locals, to all the people who lived in the area, that for every snake they could bring in to, let's say, the government building, for example, uh, every dead snake they could bring in to show that they've killed a snake and there's one less snake in the population, they would get a monetary reward. So let's say, for example, sake, I don't know how much it was worth, but let's say in Ireland right now where I'm living, there was a big population of snakes, actual proper snakes, and the government introduced this policy. They said, look, snakes get in our hands. We want to control this. So for every dead snake you bring into, I don't know, your local government office and prove that it's dead, we'll give you 20 quid. Right? So you're incentivized to go out and kill these snakes. And that was their strategy for overcoming the snake problem, the cobra problem. And that makes sense in theory. But in practice, it actually exaggerated the problem. Because what ended up happening was all these Delhi farmers, the Indian farmers, got wind of this they're like well you know what we can actually make a decent bit of money if we bring in a fair few snakes to prove that they're dead we can collect some financial reward for that so what they started to do was collect the snakes bring them together and breed them so they became snake farmers in a sense and they let the snakes have babies and then more babies and more babies and whilst they were doing that they were killing off the ones then that got a little bit older so they could bring them in and get money for each one so what ended up happening was the whole strategy was in aim to reduce the snake population. And the actual outcome they got was the snake population doubled or tripled. It blew up massively because all the Indian farmers started to breed snakes and create even more snakes so that they could then kill some off to get money for it. And it ended up getting completely out of hand. And what started off as a little snake problem grew into a massive issue. And that's an example of we're taking action almost too quickly without thinking through all the possible consequences can actually compound the problem. So it's not about waiting until you feel completely ready to go, but it's also not about just jumping in the deep end completely blind without thinking through the, the consequences of your actions. Because either one of those can set you back and either one of those can lead to failure. Like I said, there was the 80% um, the rule where the general said, go at 80%. He said also, you know, don't wait till you're at 100% because that's too late. But he also said, don't go at 60% because that's too early. You don't know enough yet. You're going to be walking into a situation where you haven't done your due diligence, due diligence. You haven't completely got enough information to make informed decisions. And by walking into things blindly, you're setting yourself up to fail. So those are the first two, and they're kind of linked together in that way of the high performance blockers. Is Number one, don't wait until you feel ready to take action. Go and take action. It's going to feel uncomfortable. 
but back yourself to be able to overcome whatever the consequences of that are and do it. But on the flip side of that, don't be too quick to take action. Do some due diligence. Give yourself a bit of time. Do a bit of research, whatever you need to do. Obviously, don't overdo it. Go at about 80%. So don't be too quick to take action, but also don't take forever because the longer you take, the more behind the rest of the pack you're going to get. And those are our first two high-performance blockers. The next one then, that almost ties in a little bit to the last one around being too quick to take action, but not entirely. And this one can play out in a lot of places, but particularly when it comes to relationships with people. And is one that comes up a lot for clients that I work with in business, particularly if they're self-employed and particularly if they run their own business and they're in charge of the marketing for their, the business, the sales for the business, and then they actually deliver in the service of the business. It can come up quite a lot on that, but also for people who are in employment and working closely with either a manager or you know, uh, someone who's on an equal level or a level just above them and they kind of bow heads quite a bit and they have to have a lot of communication and interaction based on the job role, but they don't quite get along. And that has been overly emotional or too reactive to situations. And this can be a massive block to high performance for lots and lots of reasons. On a personal level, it means that you're constantly, if you're hyper-emotional, if you're hypersensitive, you're reacting to everything that happens, you're operating from a state of ungroundedness, right? So being grounded would be being fully in control, let's say, as much as possible of your emotions and acting from your empowered self. Versus when we're not grounded, we're reactive. We're acting from our non-empowered self. And when we're in that state, what's happening is our amygdala, which is a very primitive part of your brain, was, I think it's uh, the oldest part of your brain. So we think humans evolved over the past however many thousands of years, millions of years at this stage. Our brains have also evolved. And every whatever number of thousands of years, our brains grow bigger and new parts of our brains get added on. But the most primitive, the oldest part of our brain, which sometimes calls your reptile brain, is your amygdala. And your amygdala is hyper aware of situations that are potential threats to you where you're in danger. And when our amygdala gets activated, we're operating from a place of worry, fear, stress, anger, anxiety, these primitive emotions that were, when they were initially created, there to keep us alive, but now in today's world, contribute to us operating at a lower level than we could. And when we're hyper-reactive, hyper-emotional to things, we don't act from that empowered self-state, which means we make decisions in the short term that end up killing us or putting us on the back foot, at least, in the long run. And this looks like a lot of different situations. For example, there's a client I've had who received some negative feedback on one of her marketing posts. So she mar was marketing her business. She was getting some negative feedback because it was a fitness-based business. She was getting some feedback from people saying, oh, how dare you say these things? You're not allowed to call people fat or overweight in this world, blah, blah, blah. And things like that that were coming back that were really getting to her to the point where she actually stopped doing any marketing for her business because... As you can imagine, it makes sense. She didn't like the feeling she was getting from receiving this negative feedback. She didn't like that perception she felt she was getting from the outside world of being someone who was fat shaming people or whatever else. And so she just stopped marketing her business. And that was her initial reaction, her response from getting too attached to that. And the flip side of that a few weeks down the line was she wasn't making any sales and then she wasn't making any money. Because she wasn't marketing, she wasn't bringing in leads or prospects, which means not only was she suffering, her family were suffering because they were living off lower income, there was cutbacks that had to be made, sacrifices, etc. 
And that, as you can obviously see, is not a good situation to be in. But when we're being too reactive and too emotional and getting too attached to situations, it can lead us to make decisions in the short term that feel like the right call, but in the long run have massively negative consequences. Other places that this can play out is in your relationships with people. Like I said, situations where you may be working with a boss or a superior or a coworker who you have to have a lot of frequent communication with, but you don't quite get along, you butt heads, you see things differently. And when you're too reactive, you get involved too much in these things, maybe too emotional to how things go. Let's say it's you and another bloke in the office and you know you butt heads quite a bit on different projects or different ideas. The communication then is terrible because anything that could be communication gets put across in a way that's almost uh, downplaying each other's ideas or putting each other down. You're not operating to help each other, you're almost operating against each other, right? To sabotage each other's efforts, which in a sense then sabotages the company's efforts. So the project doesn't perform as well. And both of you end up being brought in and potentially sacked because you're not doing your job properly. And these are the kind of things that can happen when we get caught up in acting from a too emotional state. Now, I'm not saying neglect your emotions. I'm not saying don't be in touch with them. I'm not saying ignore them. You should be aware of them because emotions are great for giving you little nudges in the right directions. Like this doesn't feel right for me. This doesn't feel in alignment for me. This feels against my values. And as a leader, uh, at least leadership from the sense that I try to promote on this podcast, you need to be in touch with those things. You need to use those emotions as a little compass to guide you in the right direction to say, you know what, from a, let's say a business perspective, this doesn't make sense, but I feel like this is the right thing to do. For example, this client pays us a lot of money. You know, they're one of the biggest contributors to the revenue of the business. So from that perspective, I can't just drop them as clients. But from an emotional perspective, what they're doing is not aligned with my values. Let's say they're operating, you know, in co countries that take advantage of slave labor and child labor, et cetera. And that's completely against my values. Well, from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense to end our relationship. But from my perspective, my personal perspective as a leader is business, it's against my values. And it's not aligned with what I want to do. So even though it doesn't make sense rationally, for me, we're going to end that relationship. Right? And that's the kind of leadership that gets people behind and that's obviously a very quick example of it. But that's to illustrate that you do need to be in touch with your emotions and you shouldn't neglect or avoid them. But you need to be able to create space between being stimulated and taking action. And if we allow ourselves either to give ourselves a space or to create that space, it means we can make decisions that are in alignment with our values, but are not hyper-emotional, are not just acting in the heat of the moment. Because we've all been in situations, I'm sure, where Somebody does something or somebody says something and your initial response is you get pissed off, you get angry, you get defensive. You want to just snap back at them and say something that maybe you don't really mean or isn't necessarily true, but we'll get a reaction from them or we'll make them feel bad or upset or down or angry or whatever else, right? The games that we play. And in the moment we do it. And then a few hours or maybe a few days later, you're reflecting on that situation. You think, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't mean it. It wasn't true. I was doing it because I was angry. And as much as possible, we want to avoid being in those situations. And particularly when you're the leader of a, a company or a team or whatever else, if you're getting involved in those situations, it sets the tone for the rest of the company, team, organization to follow. And if it's happening at the top level, you can guarantee it's amplified and multiplied below you when you're not around, when you're not in the room. 
So we need to lead by example on that. And the way we can do it is by, number one, giving ourselves space. So for example, let's say you get an email or you get a negative comment on Facebook or whatever else. Don't respond straight away. Put your phone down, put it away. I know it's difficult to do because immediately your mind is like, I need to react. I need to react. I need to say something. I need to do something to fix this. And it's tough. Give yourself space. Put your phone away. Get away from it. Give it at least 24 hours and then come back to it and respond in that state. Now, sometimes that's not as easily accessible. Let's say you're in a meeting with somebody and stuff gets heated, some words start to be said, and you feel yourself getting emotionally charged and ready to snap back. In those moments, you can't just give yourself space because it would look weird if you just got up and stormed out, right? It's not really in alignment with how you'd want to show up. But in those moments, you need to create the space yourself. And that just looks like saying, here, hang on a second. Let me just jump in here. I can feel emotions are getting heated in here. I can feel like some people are getting frustrated and angry and i don't want anyone to do or say something now that they don't mean and that they will regret so what i'm going to suggest that we do now is press pause on this let's stop the meeting here everybody go away let's take whatever time 20 minutes half an hour an hour a day whatever we need and let's meet back again at this location at whatever time later tomorrow etc when everyone's had a chance just to sit back calm down we can come back and revisit this let's do that Right, so creating that space saying, let's get away from the situation. We're not going to get a positive outcome here. And being able to recognize that and then actually being vulnerable enough to say it because everyone's probably thinking it, but nobody wants to step into it. So to actually say that out loud, create that space, go away, and then come back when you're able to act from a more empowered state. And that's a massive key to high performance. It's not neglecting your emotions, not avoiding them, but not letting them run you either, Right not being the puppet of your emotions, being in control, being able to be in touch with them, to feel them, not neglect them, but at the same time, to be able to control them. And know, okay, this is how I'm feeling now, but it's just in response to this one situation. It's not reflective of how I truly feel. And I don't want to act out of alignment with my true empowered self. So I need to create some space to be able to act properly from this. And that is a key to high performance. So please, if you feel that that's something that you struggle with, Use the little tactics I've implemented there, but also explore that for yourself, whether through coaching or through therapy or whatever else it is that you can do to walk through it, because it's something that is so common. And if it's playing out in work, chances are it's playing out in your relationships with partners, with children, with friends, with other family members, etc. And if you want to lead a one area of life, you know, as a, a businessman, for example, chances are you want to be able to show up in that same leadership capacity in everything that you do as a father, as a brother, as a whatever else. And if these little chinks in the arm are showing the business world, 100%, they're going to show up in your, your personal life as well. So take that on board and go work on those things. Now, the next thing as a high performance block can be aiming too low, right? So setting targets for yourself that aren't high enough, aren't stimulating enough, and aren't actually pushing you to go and achieve what your possible potential could be. And that's probably one of the biggest regrets people have in life as they get older is looking back on their younger days and thinking you know what i could have been more i could have done more i could have achieved more if only i had applied myself more and that's a really really difficult pill to swallow because there's one you can only take yourself because only you truly know what your potential is now there's people who are around you who can point to you and say you are capable of doing more. I think you're able to do that. I think you're able to, you know, run your own business or grow this business to whatever level or 
have that relationship or have that career or achieve that fitness goal, whatever it is. And people can point you in the right direction. But at the end of the day, it's you who has to sit there and look in the mirror. And if you have to look in the mirror at the end of it all and say, I could have had more, I could have been more, I could have done more. I can only imagine that must be one of the most difficult and heartbreaking conversations you'll ever have to have with yourself. And I don't want you to be in that position. But so many people end up in it because they spend their whole lives shooting low and hitting. And there's a story you may have heard called the Icarus story before. And there's two parts of the story, but only one part usually gets told about it. But anyways, the story is that it's, it's an old Greek myth, mythological story. And there was this chap called Icarus and his dad had wings. Right, So his dad could fly. He was like a superhero. But Icarus was born without wings. So his dad... Obviously, Icarus like, Dad, I want wings. You have wings. Can I have wings? Etc. So his dad made him a set of wings out of wax. And he made him wings, put them on, and said, look, son, here you go. Here are your wings. But there's two things you need to know about these wings. One, they're made out of wax. So don't fly too high. Because if you fly too high, you'll get close to the sun. And the heat from the sun will burn the wax. Your wings will fall off and melt away. And you'll crash to your death. The second thing to know also, though, is don't fly too low. Because if you fly too low and come in contact with the ocean, your wings will get wet and that will drag you down and you'll crash and drown into the sea. Now, when most people refer back to the Icarus story, they talk about the part where he flies too high because ultimately what he does is he goes out flying, he gets a bit confident, you know, he's like, you know what, I'm okay here, you know, I might push the boundaries a little bit, I'm going to go a little bit higher. Now, that's not too bad, actually, I'll go a little bit higher and eventually he pushes too far gets too close to the sun, his wings melt, and he dies. But the second part gets missed, where his father says, don't fly too low. And if we play that back into what we're talking about here, a lot of people aim too low. A lot of people set targets for themselves that are realistic, they're achievable. Like, if I just put in a little bit of effort and, you know, somewhat commit myself, maybe 50% of the way, I can achieve that. Rather than shooting for the stars and aiming for what they really, really want, Picking a target that feels almost scary. I don't know how I'm going to achieve that. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But you know what? I want to do it. I'm going to commit myself to going and finding out how to make it work. And it can be a difficult thing to do because once we define what that success is, what that goal is, we have a target to aim at. And when you have a target to aim at, it's crystal clear whether you succeed or fail. Versus if you leave a vague and you just shoot for things you think you can hit, but you don't really get specific on it, it's hard to know whether I've succeeded or failed because I never really set a clear target in the first place. And it's a lesson that I learned from one of the earliest mentors that I had, business mentors that I had, which was that most people are fearful of aiming too high and missing. Whereas really what they should be scared of is aiming too low and hitting. Because living in that place of mediocrity and complacency will kill you, will kill your spirit, will kill your soul. So don't do it to yourself particularly moving into this year, it's still semi the start of 2023. So use this as a year to really aim for what you want and go after what you want in life, whether it's business, health, fitness, career, relationships, whatever area it is, but aim for what you truly want. Don't just settle for what you think you can get. Right? Don't just settle for mediocrity, for complacency. Shoot for the stars. Shoot for what you really want and aim for it. And don't worry about at this stage, if you don't know exactly what all the steps look like, you don't have the full plan to get there. All you need to know is what is it you really want and what's the next step? What's the immediate next step I need to take to move one step closer? Because as you take that next step, the following step will get clearer 
And then when you take that one, the next step gets a little bit clearer. And as you move along the path one step at a time, all the lights begin to come on. With our step is the fourth one because our mindset talks us over. Our mental chatter says, you can't do it. It's not going to happen. You don't know how to do it. There's all these reasons you shouldn't do it. Or back to the force blocker. You don't have all the information you need. You don't feel ready to do this yet. So let's just not do it. Don't do that to yourself this year. Make that a commitment this year. that You're going to go for what you really want. And even if you only get 80, 90% of the way there, you don't hit it completely. I guarantee you will be in a much happier, healthier place this time next year than if you just aim low, shoot low, go for what's achievable, realistic for you now, and somewhat hit it this year. So don't do that to yourself. The next high-performance blocker then is a very, very common one. But it's one that blinds people. People can almost be blind to the fact that they suffer from this or are victims of this. And I've seen it, particularly in the business space, so many times. And it's ego. Ego is a high-performance blocker to the highest degree. Because when you're operating from a state of high ego, you assume you know it all, right? You think you've got all the answers. You think you have it all figured out. You think you're the man or you're the woman and you're God's gift. And you're closed down to other insights. And I'm sure you've seen it in your own life. Maybe you've even suffered from it in your own life in lots of ways. I was actually chatting to a chap in the gym the other day who used to be a big powerlifter. He was really big into lifting. For anyone who doesn't know, powerlifters are the guys who uh, lift the real heavy weights. They're not the ones who stand on stage in little speedos and poles. They're, they're bodybuilders. They're different. Powerlifters are the ones who maybe don't look the best. Sometimes they're kind of big and fat, but they're really strong and they do a bench a squat and a deadlift and they just see basically what's the maximum of the weight I can lift for one rep for these exercises and he was a powerlifter back in the day he's now not so much a powerlifter because of the injuries he sustained as a result of doing the sport and I was chatting to him about it and he said basically his powerlifting career ended maybe 10-20 years before it actually should have ended and the reason for it is injuries back, shoulders knees, the common spots just got absolutely wrote off and the reason for it was his ego. He didn't take enough recovery. He pushed too hard. He thought, you know, if you've seen somebody in the gym who done a little bit more than him, he'd have to stay back and try beat them. He was constantly in competition with everyone else around him. He always wanted to be the alpha dog in the gym, wanted to be the strongest bloke in the gym. If any of his mates came to train him, for example, he'd push himself that extra little bit just to show off. And I was constantly just chasing this egoic need for more, to prove myself, to show how strong I am. And ultimately ended up killing his career. And obviously hindsight is 2020. It's beautiful to look back on those things and say, ah, that was what was going on for me then. But at the time, it's very difficult. <laughs> and it's it's easy to get sucked into the trap of ego. It's easy. It's almost like a black hole. It just starts one step at a time, one step at a time. And you now things start to be going well. And you know what? I'm great. I know all the answers. I'm winning some competitions or I'm winning awards or recognition. I'm getting praise. Look at me. I'm the man. But the more you go down that hill, it's a slippery slope and eventually end up in a place where you think you've got all the answers, you think you have it all figured out and inevitably life blindsides you and you figure out, you know what, maybe I didn't have it all figured out in the first place. And there's the Dun & Kruger effect, which you've probably heard of a lot of times before, but it's the idea that the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. The more you learn things, the more you realize, holy shit, there's so much I don't know. But when we're operating from that place of ego, and we think we have all the answers, we close down to other insights 
to other areas of expertise, to other mentors, other people who are maybe uh, older than us or have been through these experiences before, who want to impart some knowledge and share some wisdom. And we just block it out and close ourselves down to it. And ultimately, we end up failing and we have no one to blame but ourselves. So ego is one of the most common high performance blockers that I have seen personally in a lot of the clients I've worked with, again, particularly in the business sense. In the fitness sense, to some degree, you know, people who've maybe been in shape before, but then got out of shape and they think, oh, you know what, I don't need any help. I know what it takes. I know how to get in shape. I know how to lose weight. I know how to train. I just need to do it. And then the inevitable question is, well, then why aren't you doing it? But particularly in business, it's, it's probably a bit more common than in fitness. Ego will kill your goals and dreams. And even if it doesn't kill you getting there, it will kill you from keeping them. Because oftentimes, uh, you probably hear lots of successful sports people saying this in the past as well, getting there is one thing, but staying there is a different ballgame altogether. And even to motivate themselves to get to the top. But to motivate yourself to stay on top is a different kettle of fish completely. And you see it all the time. You know, how many teams or, you know, fighters or athletes do you see come out and over and win something and then just fade off the map completely or drop down, never win anything again? Because getting to the top is difficult for sure. But there's, you know, a sense of motivation there. It's a different kind of intensity you bring because maybe you're the underdog. You're coming, you're climbing up the hill, you're chasing, you're hungry. But once you get there, how do you keep yourself there? And so if you're operating from that place of ego, maybe you'll get to success. But I very much doubt you'll achieve it and sustain it for the long run because your ego will ultimately keep you from being able to stay performing at that high level. And you'll fade off into whatever place you fade off to, whether it's insignificance or just down to mediocrity again. So don't operate from ego. Check your ego. Be open to insights. Be open to learning. Be open to taking on board feedback from other people. Don't shut down. Don't get defensive if somebody gives you a piece of advice or gives you some feedback. Even if they mean it in a negative way, try to take the positives from it and use every experience that happens as an opportunity to reflect and to grow and improve. Because by doing that, you're constantly reiterating. You're constantly rebuilding yourself. You're becoming anti-fragile. You're taking all these opportunities or situations where people would usually crack or crumble and you're using them to make you a stronger more robust version of yourself who actually benefits from difficulty or benefits from chaos and when you become that you to a certain degree become indestructible and that's a great place to be and particularly moving into being a high performer in 2023 and the final but definitely not least important blocker of high performance that you need to watch out for and it's one that i guarantee you listening to this will be able to resonate with is concerning yourself with the opinions of other people. And that's not to say you shouldn't care at all. Of course you should, particularly the people who you trust and you care about most. They can be a good source of feedback for you if you are maybe getting off the path a little bit. Or maybe you are starting to do stuff that's not in alignment with who you truly are. And it's important to take that on board. But being hyper-obsessed with what other people think or what will other people say or, oh, if I post this on Facebook or Instagram, what if he sees it? Or what if she sees it? Or what if this person says this thing? Or, you know, all these stories that we tell ourselves about how obsessed other people will be about us and what's going on for our lives and using that as a reason to not take action or to not follow through on our dreams or our goals or ambitions because we don't want other people to laugh or to joke about it or to doubt us or to say negative things to us. And there's a quote from Marcus Aurelius, which... I think sums this up perfectly, where he says, it never ceases to amaze me that we all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinions than our own. And I was actually having this conversation with Lee, my twin brother, if you didn't know, uh, recently, 
he was asking me seeing you know fitness people post on instagram or facebook whatever else this time of year is just really common for pts and fitness professionals to come out of the woodwork a little bit because it's the new year they want to take advantage of people who want to have a new year new me sort of buzz and you asked me what do i think is some of the cringiest stuff and the worst stuff that i see personal trainers posting etc online and i said to him we, we spoke about it a little bit but i said to him look at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what i think because ultimately i'm not who these people are trying to market to. I'm not the client that these personal trainers want to come towards them or to do any work together with them. I go to the gym. I love training myself. I can keep myself in shape. I don't need um, their help or support to join their gyms or to join their coaching programs or whatever else. It's not what I'm interested in. So I'm not a potential buyer for these people. So if they were writing content that would impress me, which might be more like scientific-based stuff around training or nutrition, et cetera, you know, I'd give them a like, I'd say great content, but I'm not the one who's paying the bills. You know, I'm not the one who's going to come and sign up for their coaching programs or their online transformation programs or whatever else it may be. So if they were just writing content from a place of trying to impress Adam, they wouldn't make any money and they wouldn't be in business very long. So they need to write that content that's going to resonate with their potential customers, with the people who need that help, who want that help and support you looking to lose weight in 2023 and get in shape and need someone to help then move from maybe a beginner who's never been in the gym before into someone who's comfortable getting into the gym and walking out. And so it would be easy in that sense for them to say, you know, I'm just not going to post anything because maybe Adam won't like the content. And if they done that, then they wouldn't make any money either. So not taking action on things because you're worried about what other people may think or other people may say. Again, what I said at the beginning it's rational. It makes sense. Our minds don't want to be in that position because if you think about it back in the early days of humans, our social group was so important. We needed to be a respected member of the community to feel safe and supported. But nowadays, the world is so connected and in some ways so disconnected that our minds still operate on the same level that we want to be accepted and we want to feel like we're part of a community and trialed with people. And if we put ourselves out there and say things and chase our goals and chase our dreams, Maybe we'll polarize other people. Maybe we'll push people away or maybe people will slag us or laugh at us or whatever else. And internally, that's not a nice feeling to have. So we hold ourselves back from chasing goals or chasing dreams or changing things and changing your environments or your friend groups or how you spend your time. That's more in alignment with what you actually want from life. But we stay as we are because we want to stay feeling accepted. And it's a common worry that people have and it's a common place that people get stuck in but if you want to be a high performer and you want to live a life that's fulfilling and meaningful to you chances are you're going to need to change some of that stuff and in order to do it you need to be more concerned with what do i think of myself and how i'm living my life then what does everyone else think about it because ultimately you're living your life this is you at the end of the day it's you and you alone. You enter this world alone, unless you're like me in a twin and you kind of entered it with somebody else. But regardless, chances are you'll leave this world alone as well. At the beginning and the end, it's you. Every night lying in bed, you're the one who has to sit with your own thoughts. Every morning looking in the mirror, brushing your teeth, you're the one who has to sit there and stare. So live your life from a place of asking, what do I want from this? What's in alignment with what truly drives me forward? And there's a great quote, I think it was uh, maybe Picasso or Michelangelo says, the, the purpose of life, or the meaning of life, sorry, the meaning of life is to find your magic, find your secret, find your gift. 
but the purpose of life is to share it with others. But most people never get an opportunity to find it because they never give themselves the chance to explore that. Because we get, as a young age almost, put in this kind of social construct of these are the norms that we expect. This is what's acceptable in this social group. This is what we do. You know, We wake up at these times. We spend our days doing this sort of shit. All this other shit over here is horrible. Don't go near it. You know, stay away from it. We go to church on a Sunday, we, whatever else it may be. And we get given this almost script. And we stick to the script. And if you stick to the script, you probably won't be very happy. You probably won't really enjoy your life that much. You know what? You'll have some decent moments. You'll get through things okay. You might have a group of friends to spend life with and then you'll die. And that'll be the end of it. But most of us never actually take the chance to sit back and say, what do I actually want from life? And then further than that, actually go and chase it and commit to it and go and try to achieve it as much as possible. Because we're scared that if we do that, what do we lose as a consequence of it? Is it friends? Is it family? Is it connection? And chances are it's nothing. Now, you may lose some friends from it who probably weren't really friends in the first place. You may lose some uh, free time you had in the pub drinking or you know going out doing shit that you probably shouldn't have been doing anyways. But is that really a loss? Is that really taken away? Or is it giving you back time that could be more adequately and better spent doing other stuff that's actually driving you forward and helping you progress in the world in the way that you actually want? I think that's the most important message to take away from all this is we're talking about the first episode of what contributes to high performance and this episode what takes away from high performance. But overall, what is high performance? And what is high performance for you? What does a high performance life look like for you? It doesn't have to be making shit tons of money. It doesn't have to be spending, you know, hours, days, weeks, months, years working, building up a business to high levels and leaving a legacy behind. Maybe high performance views, making ends meet and having as much free time as possible to spend with friends and family. Maybe it's having your weekends free. Every weekend you can go watch the football and relax. Whatever high performance is for you, and I say for you because you need to define it for yourself, is fine once it comes from a place of genuine, this is what I want for my life. And once you can define that, then we can start looking at, well, these are the things you might want to start doing. This is the shit you might want to stop doing. But until you're clear on what do I want, none of this really matters. And in order to get clear on what you want, you have to give yourself permission to be willing to be more concerned about your opinion of yourself and of your life than anybody else. Because if you're living in a state where every decision that you make or don't make runs through the filters of what will he think or what will she think or what will they say. You will never act from a place that really matters and fulfills you. And you're basically living a life that's sole purpose and main driver is to please other people, to fit into what they want from you, to play a role in their life that suits them. And I can guarantee that as a sure way to a life that will be full of regret later on down the line. And that is not what I want for myself and certainly not what I want for you. So please take that on board as you're going through this episode and all the coming episodes of the podcast, particularly in 2023. So I will run back quickly through all those high performance boxes because now we spend a little bit of time going into each one. But to summarize what we covered, these things will absolutely kill your high performance levels in 2023. And there were six that we covered. It was waiting to take action until you feel completely ready to go. Waiting until you feel like You've got everything you need and feel completely comfortable and ready to go because you never will and you'll never take action. The other flip side of that and the second high performance block was being too quick to take action, 
jumping in head force like a headless chicken without thinking through the consequences, which can actually compound the problems rather than solve them. The third one then that we looked at was being reactive, being hyper emotional, not creating and giving yourself enough time and space to make decisions that actually come from your empowered self to move you forward. The fourth high performance blocker was aiming too low, setting targets for yourself that are in alignment with mediocrity and complacency and you just operating at a level that's realistic rather than operating at your full potential and holding yourself to a higher standard level. Number five was ego, being egotistical, being closed down, thinking you're the man, you've got it all figured out, the shit doesn't stink sort of stuff. And operating from that place where you're closed off to other people's opinions, insights, feedback, and ultimately you hold yourself back from hitting the highest levels possible. And last but not least is concerning yourself with the opinions of others and living your life in a way that is solely driven by the purpose of pleasing other people rather than living a life that's personally fulfilling and meaningful to you. So those are your six high performance blockers. I hope that was helpful and valuable. And as I said at the beginning, one of these may apply, all six may apply, it doesn't matter. All I want you to do for the next month, give yourself a month, give yourself time to really implement this, is pick one or two of the max that apply specifically to you and really resonate and commit to working on that one or two. Just commit to those. Do it for the next month and I guarantee you'll see massive improvements in your performance level, so what level you operate at, your consistency, so how you're operating on a daily level, but also in your fulfillment, how you feel getting up in the morning because there's a massive difference and it's very difficult to operate at a high level, by the way. If you're just waking up and living a life that feels like it's just Groundhog Day, it's on repeat, nothing excites me, nothing gets me going, I'm not chasing after any goal, I'm not motivated to do anything, I'm just kind of existing. You're never going to operate on the highest level possible if that's your standard, if that's your mode, that's your sort of um, your baseline that you operate with. Versus if you're implementing some of this stuff and you're finding out, you know what, these are the decisions I'm making and this is why I'm holding myself to a higher standard. I'm chasing this goal, this dream. I'm not just chasing complacency and mediocrity. I'm going after what I really want. And I'm implementing these things specifically, even though they're difficult and scary and hard, I'm backing myself to go make it happen. Because at the end of the day, this is my life and I don't want to regret anything. It's a different ballgame altogether. So go implement this, put it into action. If there's anything that really resonates with you, please reach out. Let me know. It would be great to hear it. And if you do go and put this stuff into play, drop me a note. Let me know how you're getting on. I'd love to hear your progress and maybe what's working well for you or anything that you may be struggling with to help push things forward from there. But until next time, I hope you got some value from this episode. Look after yourself. All the best. And I'll chat to you soon.